Good morning, uh, Timo. Uh, it's such a nice uh, pleasure to have you on Growth Mindset on podcast uh, today. And as I normally do, I ask uh, guests to introduce themselves. So um, please uh, explain, listeners, uh, who you are and what do you do? Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name's Timothy Amu. I'm 24 and I'm the CEO of a company called Fanbytes. Uh, what we do is we help brands, all the world's biggest brands from Apple, Deliveroo, um, McDonald's, you name it. Uh, we help them to create and distribute videos on the social media. So when brands come to us, their whole thing is we want to reach a much younger audience in an engaging, organic way. And then we build the tools and the capabilities for them to be able to do that through this network of large social communities and influencers. Okay, so um, basically, um, it, it's a platform. So, do you uh, do you put in touch? Like, you have a, a just for me to understand uh, the business model better. Do you have a, a pool yeah. of um, of influencers who uh, kind of according to their uh, I don't know to their audience you uh, use for for your specific uh, marketing needs of your clients? Yeah, so that's like typically the world of influencer marketing where brands, where these platforms just connect brands to influencers. We go much of a different step mm -hmm. ahead. What we do, is, we do is a brand comes to us and they have a brief. We put that brief out to this network of content, content creators and designers who can build ads for them. And then we distribute it through these influencers' stories. So these stories, like as you mm -hmm. mentioned, this network, influences that we built rather than simply just being the matchmaker between the two what we actually do is um we use them as like distribution models uh for our creatives which is a very different um approach to simply just to simply matchmaking the two we yeah. go to a much deeper level with that yeah Wow, that's excellent! And among among your your uh, customers, uh, I was just checking that you have like Warner Universal, Sony. Uh, are some of the uh, of the the customers you you have at the moment? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So like we've we've done pretty, you know, we've been going for just about two years, but we work now with all the biggest entertainment companies, and now gradually moving into a lot of the kind of FMCG companies. Um, so it's been a wild ride. It's been a very quick ride, but it's been a wild ride, which is great. Okay. Uh, sorry, uh, my ignorance, but um, what does uh, FMCG companies mean? FMCG is like fast moving consumer goods. So that's kind of the much bigger brands. Uh, mm -hmm. So the people own a bunch of different sub companies. So like mm -hmm. Unilever, all those type of companies, those big type of companies are yeah, kind of the next new vertical that we are winning on okay and how was uh, I, I i mean i suppose i like, getting such a such a big customer it's a big deal like how was the the approach for people like for the listeners who are like trying to uh, kind of uh, looking for new customers or or sell their product service to to their clients what is the, the, the approach you got that or is that something it got through your network or it, uh, they knew about you, or uh, I don't know, your your commercial team um, reach out to them. What is uh, the approach to to land such a such a big uh, uh, client? Yeah, so I think uh, there is this whole saying actually in the world of marketing, but just buying in general, which is 
um, nobody got fired for picking IBM. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting yeah. uh, saying because you know what it just says is that people who are uh, people who are very 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 much in big companies often what they go for is who is the IBM of their industry, right? So who is the safe option in their industry? So if you want to work with big companies, I think the number one thing that you have to do is how do you present yourself essentially as like the IBM of their industry, which is um, which comes from A, doing really good work with like other people in their space who perhaps may not be as big as them, and then leveraging that to then go up to those bigger ticket people. Um, so that really was our playbook. We realized that going to some of these big brands just without anything of credence would, would just not make sense. So what we did, we said, okay, how do we, how do we become the IBM of their industry? Um, and so we sat around and started you know, doing a, a series of tactics and strategies which were all focused on being the thought leader in that particular space. And then by doing that, we, by doing that, we were just able to just become the safe option for a lot of these people. And then that was it. Hmm. Wow, it, it, it sounds so easy when you say it, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I bet it, uh, it's, been a, it's been a long journey. But uh, I think that's very, very outstanding uh, tips to, to, to consider. Um, you know, just do a great job and uh, probably beforehand kind of have a strategy where you want to be, what, like what type of customer do you order, client or ideal client would you like to, to have? And know yeah. what are, for example, at the moment, I don't know if I want to work for, I don't know, you gave a IBM, no? I want IBM uh, as my, my customer. I need to think which are uh, other, um, other players who, who, who have IBM as a customer and like think what the work they are doing and kind of try to complement that and, you know, follow the strategy. So I really like um, uh, that you, you pointed that out. And it's always a great job. It always uh, helps, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I think... A lot of people somewhat complicate, uh, somewhat complicate the game here in terms of like, they kind of assume that, uh, that trying to get a big customer or trying to land a big deal is just a game of like constant, just like trying to like hustle and do everything and trying mm -hmm. to just use a lot of effort to try and get them. Uh, but, but I found that not to be true at all. Um, it's actually just a game of being quite, ingenious with how you approach people you can get big customers to sign with you just by trying once it's just that that once needs to be uh that once needs to be like a strategic sensible way as opposed to just hey we're just gonna we're just gonna you know uh, keep knocking the door without any real uh, hmm. without any real change in approach I also uh, I was just uh, reading also uh, about you the fact that um, this is your third company uh, Funbyte, uh, and I was curious about uh, about the, the the others too you had um, if I um, uh, understood well your your second company also was uh, uh, successful and I don't know if you existed that company at seventeen so explain me uh, your a little bit um, your journey as an entrepreneur and what took you to uh you know to to start it uh yeah so um so when i was 14 i started tuition company because i realized that i was pretty good at um i was pretty good at maths when i was younger in my school i was known as the really good um the really good kid on maths 
So as a consequence, I started teaching people uh, math. And mm. after a while, I started then getting people to come to me for other subjects which I didn't teach, so like Spanish and uh, biology, just things which I didn't personally like. And so what I started to do was I started to hire other people from my school. I'd go to the teachers and I'd say, hey, who got, who got the best results in your last um in your last exam that you did and then i just go to that person and say hey do you want to make some money and at that time they'll be fine so so within about six weeks uh we had i had about 65 tutors working under me and i was just connecting the two of them together just kind of being the guy who like connected the two together and took a cut it was pretty good um and then the company failed because what happens with every kind of marketplace you you kind of any marketplace business which is pretty much done through excel and through um paper yeah uh, what happened is uh, what happened was the tutors started to go directly to the parents and so yeah. the cut i was getting was just reduced massively yeah. um, and so as a consequence of that you know that was basically the way that was basically the way that, that was basically the way that failed. However, what's interesting, I got, I got further interested in this whole idea of like marketplace dynamics. And so at 17, I then started a company called Entrepreneur Express, which is actually like an online media publication. So things like entrepreneur.com or Business Insider, but for much younger people. And, uh, and um, when I did that, I realized that I needed to be able to drive traffic to it. So what I did was I started learning how to grow these big Facebook pages. So I could, I could grow a Facebook page from like zero to a million likes in a very short amount of time. And so as a consequence of that, um, I then started to, um, I then started to drive traffic from the Facebook pages. Then within about 11 months, I basically had an approach from an American company who then said, hey, this seems interesting. We're actually building out our own kind of publisher network. Would you be interested in selling the company? And I was like, yeah, at 17 years old, if someone offers you quite a bit of money to go in there, wow. to go and sell a company, you're like, yeah. So that was pretty much how it worked in terms of me selling the company on and so that was a really life-changing experience for me um wow and yeah wow that's fantastic i mean you're even like you're not even 18 and uh you you just got approached i suppose like um uh, you also got your parents support into that no because i mean it's not your i don't know if you are uh, legally can start a company at that age can you i don't know so what's super interesting is actually that um <laughs> it's quite funny um so I just started it and um, I, was getting, I was getting paid by people just sending stuff directly into like, directly either like paying me through PayPal or, mm-hmm. or things like that. Um, what's interesting is actually that um, it was only, I think it was only two weeks before I had sold the company that I actually set up a bank account, like set up a wow. business bank account. Um, so like the whole time I just been getting paid into like my personal account, which is wow. quite crazy. Mm. And then, and then afterwards, um, when I was like, hmm, I have this weird feeling that, you know, this is not the way to do it. So then I started to get like a business bank account and literally within like two weeks, you know, literally within two weeks, I 
interested in the company myself, which is very interesting. Wow. And uh, I'm curious, how does it work? Like, at, at least you just get approached um, in terms of uh, maybe, I mean, there are different deals whenever uh, uh, M&A or uh, companies uh, emerge or acquisition. But how does it work? Like, a company, this, this American um, company just approached you and uh, offered you some of money. And did you have to sign anything or you just, you just gave yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so what happened was actually when they approached me, uh, they actually came in due to trying to have a partnership. Okay. So, so they were like, hey, we're looking to partner up with um, like publications like yours in order to sell advertising on it. And um, after a while, this was literally after a few hours, they just emailed me again and said, actually, um, could you send over your stats and could you send over your metrics as to the traffic you've got and all that stuff there? And then can we actually, can we then see more about that before we then have this chat? Hmm. But then within about three hours of having the, of, of, of me sending out my metrics and then he heading on to Skype in order to then have this call to learn about partnering up, he just, he just, he just started up the conversation with, hey, so we looked at your metrics. And actually I think that rather than, um, Rather than rather than partnering up, we just be interested in acquiring the company, and um, and then just said, you know, let's verify all those stats are real. So then I had to share all my like pages and all that stuff, and then it was like, well, yeah, they seem real. Um, sign this contract, which is just a thing to say you give us your stats, and, mm. and that was it. It's it, it it was a very interesting. I think it was a very simple process um, yeah. on their end, which I think is testament to at that end, they really wanted to um, really wanted to get companies. Mm -hmm. They really wanted to kind of really build. So for them, it was a very, mm -hmm. very, very, very quick process. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like most of the companies, what, uh, what, uh, what they do is just, uh, if they want to uh, go grow and go to other countries, they just basically, uh, buy, um, uh, other companies. Uh, for instance, even sky scanner, when they moved to Barcelona, they just bought, mm -hmm. um, uh, a, a small startup here and, uh, which is what's kind of related to the, to the industry. And uh, this is how they, they started, you know, it's like you get very good talent uh, if, if the company has, has already people, hire people, uh, and, you know, people who know the market and the industry. So, so I think that that is um, very interesting. I think there are like professional, uh, like serial entrepreneurs who basically just, uh, they think, okay, this company is growing, it's coming, I don't know, to Spain or to UK soon. And probably I can, you know, uh, build something with the objective to sell it. Um, have you met someone? Uh, because I think it's a very good business model, at least if you like starting businesses and selling them. I mean, there's different type of entrepreneurs for sure. There are the ones who kind of fell in love with their, with their idea and with their project and they want it to be a lifelong journey. And there are these other ones who, you know, are there for the short term and, 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 and for the, uh, maybe the money or, or, you know, just, um, keep delivering. I think fundamentally, uh, there are four ways a company can go. Um, so either the company fails, the company gets, goes public, uh, you give the company to your family or something like that, or you, um, 
or you sell the company. Um, so I think most, well, at least most entrepreneurs, unless you know you're trying to build a Google or something like that, like most entrepreneurs like should ideally be like serial because you build value and then you sell it on. That ideally should mm. be the way you kind of run. If 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 you want to do the whole entrepreneur route rather than just that, you know, like building a, a nice company for your kids, etc. So, um, mm. yeah. And um, I've seen uh, just a fine bite. It's uh, there are three founders, and uh, I was wondering in terms of of challenges like. Uh, uh, normally, it's, uh, I don't know, being a solo founder, I think it's a, it's a very lonely journey. Uh, I don't know, uh, normally it too seems to be the, 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 the right number, I don't know. Uh, what are the challenges in terms, of, in terms of the team? How do you kind of uh, organize them? Are there any, um, you know, conflicts coming along or conflict of interest? How, how was that? Because, I mean, you guys are super young and I think you know, uh, managing a business that it's working and it's doing pretty well um, can be difficult. And how do you do you face those challenges together? Yeah, so we started off early as just like two co-founders, so myself and Ambrose, and then afterwards uh, we then put a third co-founder. Um, I think that what is really interesting is the challenges. We tend to have a thing where we just look at people's like areas of expertise. So, for example, when when it comes to when it primarily comes to decisions about like sales and marketing, etc., um, that all that all comes to me. So, um, primarily because I've got experience and all that stuff, and like building and selling like a media company, etc. Um, and then the second thing is about ops. So, when it comes to things like operations. Uh, my co-founder comes in. He's like a mechanical engineer from Imperial. He he actually wrote a bunch of the algorithms that we use for our current for our current platform. And then my third co-founder comes in when we talk about tech and tech and products because he, when he was nineteen, actually built and sold um, a data analytics company. So what we do when we have any disagreements is we just look to like who who's got the area who's got the area of expertise and what actually are they able to bring to the table, which inherently is like their competitive advantage. So for example, if they're able to form a logical argument based on either like stats or their, or their experience, then we kind of just defer to that. So I think because we kind of appreciate that everyone has their own like area of competence or like area of expertise, um, as a consequence of that, we don't we don't really try and uh, we don't have a lot of really big arguments per mm. se because it's kind of okay. This person, I think, you know, this person has perhaps the greatest context on these type of things, um, and so therefore, yeah, and so therefore, let's defer to them. And as long as they have a logical argument as to why X, Y, Z is the case, uh, we're pretty open. Mm. We're pretty open. So I think it's just about being very objective, which I think a lot of companies aren't able to do. They get yeah. very emotional about their creation, which is where I think they mess up on. Yeah, I mean, because I suppose they are, so you guys are friends, and sometimes, you know, if you mix, uh, I think if you mix, uh, like, 
personal issues with professional ones that's where 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 the danger is so so i think it's it's important as you're you're well mentioning pointing out that it, to keep it separate yeah exactly exactly and 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 i suppose uh, people's management how we, how is that uh, in terms of uh, streamlining processes of work uh, it's uh, it's also yeah. very challenging no yeah, so I think this was like one of the things which I personally kind of struggled with um, just around like people management because I think inherently I am not like superb at that. Um, mm. I find it, sometimes I find it a bit uh, laborsome, a bit like, oh, really? Like, do we have to do this? Um, but all these different, uh, all these different changes, all these different things are all part of the job. Uh, so that really, really I, I approach people management. I uh, then I started to realize that the way in which this is a hack that I discovered, which is basically the idea that um, most of what you're trying to do in business has already been done by someone before, mm. unless you're really trying to build something like incredibly huge or well, actually not even incredibly huge, but just incredibly different, like starting mm. to starting to start something like blockchain, blah, 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 like that there is where you need to have some immersive breakthrough. But in most cases, actually, things like management and sales and marketing have all actually been done by someone else. And so your role, as a, and so your role especially as a young founder, is actually not to really look at, a, it's actually not to look just at trying to figure stuff out yourself. It's to read books and stuff which enable you to be able to mm. find out how to do it. Um, and that's primarily what I've pretty much spent a lot of my time doing, which mm. is this idea of um, trying to uh, trying to essentially like mimic past successes and mimic past approaches that people have taken. I think this is a very big um, hack, actually, that you can have if you realize that you can constantly almost, like, you can constantly almost play with a cheat code um, if, if, you, if you're constantly learning and replicating what other people have done in the past, um, then you will pretty much always be, you pretty much always be first in line because you are replicating everything there. Yeah, and uh, I suppose replicating and improving it, it always gives you, according to your life experience, your business experience, you take that advice and, and being able to accommodate that, uh, uh, you know, that tip or that knowledge that uh, another person has accommodated to your needs and, and, and to your business. I think that's yeah. also key in this case. I was wondering which, which book, I don't know, which people do you follow in terms of people who kind of advise you, uh, even it's, if it's virtually or through a book or through a podcast, which, which are like uh, the, the, the book, if you were to give an example, the book or, or the media that, or the podcast that really helped you in your business and, and in your professional um, growth? If you wanted to do good things, then you, you need to change your mindset and if it wants to change your mindset i think the best book for that is a book called um psycho cybernetics i believe it is literally the best book on mindset ever written um it is it is one of those books where um every time i read it every time i listen to it i realize that like this is pretty much 
the golden book. And it's just about the fact that you can like, you can choose to become who you want. And I think that that book, I remember reading it like, God, like three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember thinking like, this is insane because when you realize that you can literally invent yourself, um, that's like a whole different layer of living, right? Because you realize that you are not confined by any type of a, you're not confined by any type of a, Limit, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. The only real difference between you and someone else is just that that person has psychologically been able to been able to push themselves to do the thing that you're trying to do, and you have this barrier, you have this image of yourself not being able to do it. Wow, it's uh, so interesting. I was just checking it out, and it's a book from the from the nineteen sixties, and it's uh, amazing how um, how yeah. it, it has been like like the basis or the foundation of uh, of books like I don't know uh, many Tony Robbins books or uh, and other people who uh, you know how to how to become rich type of books. Uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing how I don't know, like uh, fifty years after uh, in sixties, uh, this book is still like uh, very very valid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I've actually found that most of the best books actually come not from like not from the recent. They mm-hmm. actually come from the they actually come from the old time. I find that most of those books, the ones from the old times, are essentially like the OGs of all the books that have that are then coming in now mm. and that to me is like super interested um to be able to understand to be able to understand the world as it goes ahead i think that's a very powerful way of approaching and a powerful way of doing things so basically you do spend your a lot of time uh, like i uh, like reading because um uh, you know that this is uh, kind of uh, powers or falls your your know-how in uh, uh, in your business, and also I suppose also from a, a perspective, a professional personal point of view, because I think both of them are aligned in terms of yeah. of growth. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think that, for instance, I don't know, like really self-minded people who are very aware of, of, of their mindset and trying to change that and kind of uh, continuously uh, strive, uh, you know, to go the extra mile, as you're saying, uh, can be more successful entrepreneurs? So I think um, when you think about starting a business, you think about growing a business. Cause, and I do definitely think that people who essentially like really treat things like constantly learning and trying to achieve trying to essentially play on a cheat code um i think are people who always who always end up being the winners of the world um if you can inherently almost say that you know because business when it comes down to it you are essentially playing a game right now with other people and trying to really win with the knowledge and the tactics and stuff that you have. If you are able to essentially play on a cheat code because you're constantly getting more information and most importantly acting on that inherently, you're almost playing on a cheat level. Um, It's like playing a game with 
it's like playing a game, but you know all the hidden tricks and cheats that you can do to get to the next level. You would essentially be playing on an unfair advantage. And so when that happens, um, when that happens, you can't help but constantly be trying to seek out new learnings and education because of this. Yeah, that's very, very good to point out. Um, I also, besides um, now at the moment, which are the challenges that you are facing uh, in terms of, of uh, your business? Like, where, what are the next steps for uh, Fun Bites to go? Um, so I think, you know, the next, one of the problems or one of the challenges that come with, with growth is growth, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a really fun which is a really fun thing. Like, if you're a dying company, then the thing you're struggling with is just, like, not dying. Um, but, but if you are a growing company, then the thing you are struggling with is growing, um, which is a very interesting thing that you get. It's like, so when you're small, you really didn't want to basically die as a company, and now that you are, now that you are growing, you're growing the number one concern is like growing even further right so that is primarily what we're trying to do which is growing further and so far so good we've been we've been onboarding some very very strong clients every single time Uh, we plan on opening up a new office in LA uh, by the end of this year which should be very fun but all that type of stuff is what we're doing to to grow and scale there isn't like one thing which our main concern is is just like on all different platforms we have to think about how we go onto other platforms how we position the company that type of thing is kind of the main concern that we basically have now in terms of uh competitors um i i imagine that there are other companies uh doing the same out there or, or there aren't or different approaches we do have competitors, I'd say, but they tend to be those people who, as at the top of the podcast I was talking about, they tend to be people who are just very traditional, hey, brand, meet influencer, just, hmm. just these very traditional marketplaces. Um, we have a term where we call them glorified Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> which is essentially that, you know, they're basically an Excel spreadsheet for you to, like, connect the two. Um, but what we have basically done is we've always tried to position ourselves as just not being the connector, but actually adding more value by by helping with the content creation and helping with the distribution as well, just beyond just, hey, brand, meet this influencer. So, yeah, I, I think those are competitors, especially the fact that we built a technology platform which is able to help brands. Mm. Uh, you also you're focusing a lot on uh, generation uh, um, uh, Z, mostly that your kind of t- uh, target uh, audience in terms of uh, that's what you're trying your, to help your customers with. And what would you like in terms of trends? What would you define like? Uh, what is their behavior? What what is like for other people who are listening and they're aiming their service uh, to this type of of audience? Uh, which things uh, should be taken in consideration? Well, I think. Um there's this whole idea about the fact that people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. And, and I don't agree with that at all, actually. Um, I, I, 
I find that to be one of those things which is peddled by marketing people mm. so that you can pay them a lot of money. Mm. Um, I think that actually what is happening is people's, not their attention spans, but people's um, interest spans are getting shorter. And I think there's a clear differentiation in that because when brands say stuff like, oh my God, you know, we can't hold their attention for like six seconds, but that same person is watching five hours of Netflix or, or Game of Thrones on a, in a single day. It isn't then a game of attention. It's more like of interest. Mm. And so that's where I think that, um, that's where I think when brands are approaching this young audience, <laughs> the stuff they can be thinking about doing is this idea of families we call like advertisement, which is this idea of fusing advertising with entertainment. And if you can do that at scale, um, that's where you truly win. Otherwise, what happens is you is again you just become you just become a game of just um, just trying to hit people as many times as possible without actually um, without really emotionally connecting with them. So I think if again if you're trying to reach that younger audience. We really talk about this idea of not going in pitching a product, but actually figuring out how you can create this this idea of advertisement and how you can like emotionally connect with them beyond just uh, beyond just selling your product, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, you have to give value to these people. Uh, uh, that's I think that that's key. Whenever we we're we're doing like commercial approaches uh, or marketing approaches, you know, it's uh, value come first. And if that value you're giving to your users, it it's uh, uh, definitely making an impact in their lifestyle or or uh, bringing some 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 value. It's that's where the impact is, and when you can kind of um, you know sell your product, but first you need to uh, ensure that you're giving value. Uh, so, so that's I, I really I really like that, and also I think it's a question of, of as you were saying, you know, engaging, uh, engaging these people. Entertainment, at the end, uh, the word by itself says is to entertain, and it has to be engaging. So, so I think uh, that's it's uh, key to as you uh, are mentioning, you know, if you're uh, focusing on that type of audience. Regarding uh, so this. Um, and in order to to wrap things up, I was uh, wondering what what is the thing like if it's a, a skill or if it's something that you acquire, which I I think you do a lot of uh, of growing in terms of uh, reading you're do, doing uh, and you're very aware of of uh, of who you are as a as a professional and and where would you like to to go? What do you think it? it it made you like the right person, you know, to, to kind of push this business forward or which are the skills or uh, abilities you, you inherently have or acquire throughout your personal journey or professional that, that um, brought you where you are today? So I think the most, like, the answer to that is actually more of a better answer, which is this idea, which is this idea of having, having an open approach to just, learning like always obsessing over learning learning new things because if you like if you really think about it right like fundamentally all you really have in this world when you come in or when you go out it's just like the, the knowledge and the taking action on that particular knowledge 
And when you consider that that there's a wealth of information out there, I think it's a massive disservice for you then to kind of like not really aim to learn and get as much information as possible as you'd like. And so for me, I think it's just for me, any 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 real distinctiveness between the two, I think just falls in me being able to have a much, much more open attitude to understanding that everything can be learned and everything is a process and all you have to do is actually get into that process. Um, once you kind of approach that, once you kind of come up with that approach and you start to find that is actually a lot of life is really, really straightforward. Um, because all you need to do, hey, I'm trying to understand this. Okay, what is the, what are the tools that I can use in order to then go and learn this? Um, and that approach, I think, has served me well. So, so like, such such a huge amount because now it's just like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. All right, let me just go and read the books. Let me go and you know pick up the course or something like that. And then I just go do it, and then I just, and then I just do it. Um, I think that simplicity to life is something which I think I've been able to thrive from a lot. I think that's definitely uh, it aligns with the with the podcast, and it's uh, it's also uh, super crucial. I completely agree with that. Like you know, just being aware that you can do whatever. So so that's uh, definitely one of the things that. Uh, audience should um, uh, should get as a main takeaway of of today's episode thank you so much timo for uh, for being part of uh, growth mindset on and uh, you know sharing the value that uh, requires throughout this year you know because i think it's always a hustling and learning uh, experience uh, as a as a as a founder and also even as a professional not necessarily like a people themselves individuals uh, are on the same journey in a different way but i appreciate your time and uh, can't wait to share it with the audience thank you